0: So was it, uh, was it not an American that said, I'll be back? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're, we're looking forward to coming back, folks, in the will of the Lord uh, next year again. And um, we'd value your prayers that we might be able to, to do that and that we might have a safe, uh, a safe journey home and hope to see you again next year in the will of the Lord. Now, um, <clears throat> what's on my heart for tonight um, is one of the things that has impressed me about, um, you know, meeting you here over the past months and, and getting to know you a little bit better is, has been the, the, the various backgrounds that you have all come from. You know, different countries and uh, maybe even different cultures and different circumstances in, in life, uh, and yet you have you know, all, all been able to, to come together in this uh, lovely, friendly, warm Christian fellowship together. So that has kind of led me tonight that I would like to um, take the opportunity just very briefly to tell you something about our background, because... Um, you know, we're, we're comparative. and not not say we're strangers, but we're comparative strangers. So I would like you to just tell you very briefly a little about our background and about how we came to to know about this uh, fellowship here in, in, in San Ramon because we don't believe that we came here by accident. Um, we believe that the Lord guided us here. And would love to tell you a lovely story as to how that, some of you have heard it, but I judge that the majority of you haven't. So that's going to be very brief. And then what's upon my heart is I'd like to show you the background. The background to the four men who wrote the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And to see how diverse their backgrounds were, and yet in spite of that, and in spite of the different circumstances that marked their background, that God was able to use them in the um, work of the gospel and in the writing of his precious word. And one of them, for instance, it came to my mind when Ken was telling us about his van. Um, One of them was John Mark. And uh, John Mark was a bit like Ken's van. He had a breakdown. He, He failed the Lord. And yet the Lord was able to use that man that had a breakdown and take him up and use him again to his glory. And what I want to encourage you with tonight is this, that even though we're not the Christians that we would like to be, and even though we have had faults and failures in our life, because there is eternal life within our souls, God can still take us up and use us to his glory in this district and in this fellowship where we are together tonight. So that's kind of what I want to do. So the first little verse that I want to read with you, uh, it's going to be up on the screen, but it's in in the Gospel by Mark, and it's in chapter 2. And I'll just read one verse at a time as we need to uh, come to them. We'll just read them as we need them. In Mark chapter 2, in verse 14, it says, And as he... That is, the Lord Jesus passed by, he saw Levi, which, as you probably know, is Matthew. He saw Matthew the Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me, and he arose and followed him. You remember that a couple of weeks ago on the Sunday. I pointed out to you the wonder of the Holy Bible. How that 66 books were written by 40 men over a period of 1,600 years. And they never came together to discuss what they were going to write. They never had a conference to decide on a uh, a particular theme. They were completely unknown, the most of them, to each other. And yet they produced this lovely book that we call the Bible that has been such a, a light onto our feet and a lamp onto our path without any contradictions and without any mistakes. How precious and how wonderful is this book. But did you notice that I said 40 men? Why is it that in the Bible God never used a woman to write the Bible? Any of the Bible. Ever thought about that? I have thought about that many times, that there's the book of Esther and there's the book of Ruth. And they're both dedicated to godly women. But yet God never chose any particular woman to write any uh, particular book of the Bible. Now, if you want an answer to that, uh, why it was all men, and when we come to the four Gospels, of course, it was four men, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, if you want an answer to that as to why that was, well, you're going to have to ask the Lord himself. <laughs> you see? <laughs> uh, because because that's, these are mysteries about the Scriptures that we cannot understand. But unless you, dear sisters tonight, unless, in case you feel that in any way you have been kind of set aside or are not important in the eyes of the Lord... I want to encourage you tonight that I I, I feel the fact that this is balanced. That when the Lord Jesus rose again from the dead on that glorious resurrection morning, isn't it precious to you dear ladies this evening to realize and to see that when the Lord Jesus appeared on the resurrection morning, the first one that he appeared to, You might think it was the great Apostle John, the disciple that Jesus loved. Or you might think it was the great Peter who was the leader seemingly of these men with his impetuous character and and energy and love and all the rest. But in, in spite of all these men being so important as they were, the Lord Jesus first appeared to a woman. The lovely balance of that that he would set aside for a time these, these godly men and on the resurrection morning would appear to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven demons. I think you ladies can be encouraged with that. That you are important to the Lord. That you are precious to the Lord. And that just because you may not be as prominent in the fellowship as some of the men, that nonetheless you are very precious to him and he shed his precious blood that you might be born again and have a home in heaven and have a fellowship down here until uh, travelling days are done. What a lovely morning that was. I was thinking about it today. The resurrection morning. Five things couldn't hold them in the tomb the clothes that bound them, that Joseph. And Nicodemus provided the clothes couldn't hold them. The seal couldn't hold them. The stone couldn't hold them. The soldiers couldn't hold them. The devil himself couldn't hold them. And up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. Hallelujah. Christ arose. What a wonderful morning that was. The resurrection morning. The old hymn writer said, Death and the grave combined their force to hold our Lord in vain. But sudden, the conqueror arose and they burst their feeble chain. And what a joy it must have been to Mary Magdalene that resurrection morning. And the tears filled their eyes. And you know there's many tears among God's people. There are many trials and there are many heartaches. And behind all of our smiling faces this evening in public there are many silent tears and worries and cares and doubts and difficulties of every kind. But with just a word, with just a word, he wiped away her tears. Mary, Mary. And it has been my prayer that this evening, as we look at the background of these men, that God might encourage us all amidst the tears of life and the trials of life, that we might all be encouraged, that we can be useful still to him. So that's just a little word for the sisters, just to keep your heads up and not to get too discouraged by the way. So here's Matthew. And did you notice that it said the son of Alphaeus? Now, the reason why I think that the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to write about Matthew as the son of Alphaeus is this, for this reason is because Alpheus was obviously known to the believers. He didn't just write in Alpheus because no, obviously the Christians knew him. And whoever Alpheus was, the father of Matthew, he obviously was a believer. He obviously was a Christian. And Mark wants to bring before us about this man, Alpheus, about this man, Matthew, who wrote the first gospel. He wants to bring this to our attention that, that Matthew had a father. He was a Christian. He had a father who was godly. He was a father who was a believer. He was a father who set an example for his boy that his boy might be able to follow. Interesting that there's no mention of his mother. You never ever read in the Bible of Matthew's mother. So I judge that either Matthew's mother was deceased Or else, unlike her husband, she was not a Christian at all.
1: So here's a man
0: who comes from a home that has a godly father. And I want to speak tonight with swelling heart of the loveliness that it is. To come from a home where you have a Christian father. I know not everybody here has that. But what a joy it is to have been brought up in a home where we had a father that prayed and a father that preached and a father that read his Bible and a father that sought to lead us in the ways that be in our Lord Jesus Christ. For every, for every dear believer in the meeting tonight that has a Christian father, I think we should be doubly and trebly thankful. Let me tell you a bit about my background because I promised to do that just very briefly. I'll tell you about my father in just a minute, but let me tell you about Anne and I because I know you ladies are all especially interested in that. Anne and I... Anne and I were both born in the great great city of Belfast, Northern Ireland. I was born on one end of the city and she was born on another, so we didn't know each other, we didn't know each other's families or we never met. But whenever I was 18 years of age, I I left home because of employment and I, I, I worked in various parts of the province and um, when I was about, probably about 21, I think, or so, um, I went to work in the area of Belfast where Anne uh, lived, and um, I went to the church where she was. And the first time I ever met my wife, I hope she remembers this. <laughs> was at the breaking of bread. I walked into the church and she was sitting there at the breaking of bread. Now, I'm sorry to disappoint you ladies. Uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't, no, it wasn't love at first sight. Um, and I'll tell you why, because she was, well, you probably guessed she was younger than, than I, I was. And Now, I didn't say much younger, I just said younger. Yeah. Okay. She was younger than I was, and her father invited me to their meal, to their home for a meal. And she had a brother, and I was friendly with her brother. But you know, as time came on, went on, I, I became more friendly with his daughter than with his son. And and uh, well, the rest is history. And that's how we met. We met at the breaking. Of bread, we have, we have three boys, Andrew that lives here in Danville and David that lives in London and Jonathan that lives at home in Northern Ireland with two little children. So we have two little grandchildren, Rebecca and Callum. And when Andrew came here, um, we wanted to find a fellowship that met like we did at home. You know, that, that, that broke bread every Sunday that believed in the scriptures, and that that taught and believed in the things that we believed in. And we had a friend in Scotland who was a full-time evangelist. Uh, And He preached. He preaches in Ireland. He preaches in Scotland. He preaches in the United States of America. And we said to him one day, Stephen, you know, we're going to visit our, our boy in America. And would like to meet with Christians of like mind. Where could we go? Have you ever been to San Francisco? He said, I've never been to San Francisco. Been to Seattle, been to Florida, been to you know, but no. But he said, wait a minute, he said he said, I know a man from Sri Lanka called Rajiv. And he said he has been to San Francisco. And he said, I will tell uh, Rajiv to be in touch with you. I'll give him your email and he'll be in touch with you. So can you imagine that a little couple from Northern Ireland could write out to uh, Sri Lanka and that he would say, yes, there's a place there in San Ramon for you. So we didn't come here by accident. Uh, The Lord guided us and the Lord led us and we've been so happy to be here. So that's a little background about ourselves. I don't like talking about ourselves, but, you know, just to kind of make it very homely and and, and to make it very warm and simple tonight. Um, But I want to tell you what it was like to be brought up in a home where I had a godly father. My father was conservative with a small c. I'm going to tell you this, I don't mind Christians being conservative. As long as they're the same in private as they are in public. There's nothing worse than someone who's conservative in public and liberal in private or the other way about. And my father was the same in the home as he was in the church, as he was in the village where we lived the joy of having a Christian father. I want to tell you one little story about him. His name was Caleb, a Bible name. He, whenever I was just a boy, he was a bread server. He was, I don't know if you, we used to have these people up and around the village with with bread carts, you know, and delivered bread to every door and we used to call them bread. So he was a bread server. and I've said this at home many times. He was paid every Friday. And every Friday night when he got his pay, he used to bring me home sweets, candies. And I've said this at home many times when I was a boy. I loved them because of the sweets. Because of what he gave. I want to tell you unashamedly tonight as a grown man when I became a man I loved him just because he was my father. Just because of who he was and just because of what he was and just because of the standards that he set and of the life that he lived. He became later on he, he, he became the Lord blessed him And he became the regional manager in Northern Ireland for a large English company. And on one occasion, he won the Manager of the Year Award for the whole of the United Kingdom. And he brought this word home to my mother this day. He said, look, you and I have been invited to go over to Manchester where we're going to be presented with this Manager of the Year Award for the whole company. And I tell you, if my father was conservative... I'm going to tell you, my mother was conservative. And she said, no, 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 we, we're, we're, I'm not going to that. They'll be drinking and they'll be dancing and they'll be carrying. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to that. And he said, well, look, you know, I think I should go because, because, you know, the, it's, it's a kind of an honor and it's, you know, my work. And you No, know. she said, you can go, but I'm not going. So my dear father had to go on his own. And of course, when he came home, there was a there was a bit of an inquisition. <laughs> How did you get on? And you know, my father said, ah, "I got on fine." And she said, "Well, what what what? what happened? You know, he said I, sang, I I sang to them." She said, "You didn't sing to them." He said, "I did." She said, and what did you sing? He said, I sung that hymn that we sometimes sing on a Sunday morning as we remember the Lord Jesus. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing." The thorns on thy brow. If ever I loved thee, Lord Jesus, tis now. That was the courage of my father. My mother was speechless. She said to him, What did the boss say? My father said, he said, I've never ever heard words sung like that before. Oh, the joy. The joy, dear Christian friends, this evening of having a saved father and a godly father. And if you come from a home like that, you know, there were times when I didn't bring my father much joy in my youth. But oh, the privilege of being brought up in a home like that and having a father that prayed for us and loved us And pointed us ultimately to the Lord for salvation. Matthew had a father, but seemingly not a saved mother. That time has gone much quicker than I thought. Look very quickly at the next verse, which is in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. It should be up on the screen in verse 12. Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, this is uh, the apostle Peter, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door, uh, knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhonda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. So, if in Matthew we have a man who had a Christian father, in Mark we have a man who had a Christian mother. You never ever read of Mark's father being mentioned anywhere in the Bible, but you do have mentioned here the only time that Mark's mother is mentioned: Mark, uh, Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. So she, he came from a home where he may not have had a Christian father, but he certainly had a Christian mother. And oh the joy, friends, this evening. The joy of being in a home where we have a Christian mother. Isn't there something about a Christian mother? The tenderness and the love and the care and the sweetness of having a mother that loves the Lord. I trust that everyone in the meeting this evening will be truly, truly thankful if you come from a home like that. And here's Mary, the mother of John Mark. And she has a large house because it says many were gathered there to pray. And when Peter gets out of the prison, he comes to Mary's house where they're all praying for him. And he comes there and he finds a home and he finds hospitality and he's blessed in Mary's house, the mother of John Mark Mark. And it's a lovely thing to notice that Mary Mary reared a good son. One day she let him go. One day one day he left home to go out to serve the Lord in full time. And Mary let him go. And I thank God for every parent who has had this privilege of letting their son or their daughter go to foreign fields to foreign food, to foreign culture, to foreign people, to foreign claims in order that they might lose their child for Christ's sake. What a wonderful thing it is to have had like, like Mark had a mother like that. But as was said, John Mark failed. He disappointed. He failed the Lord. He left them and came home again. And you know, I've often wondered what it must have been the day that John Mark came home and there was a knock on that door of that big house. And I can just imagine Mary, his mother, opening the door and saying, what, what, what are you doing here? I'm sure, you were commended to the work and you're away. And John, comes, John Mark comes home and he's failed the Lord and he's let them down. But the thing about it is, and take this encouragement this evening, that even though John Mark had a breakdown, Even though he let the Lord down and failed and departed and came home, perhaps he missed his mother. Perhaps he missed the luxury of the house. I don't know why he departed from them. But even though that was the case, God was still able to take him up and use him to write a gospel and to go again on a subsequent missionary journey with Barnabas, his cousin. Is there someone here who has had a breakdown? Is there someone here that is disappointed with their Christian life? Is there someone here that feels I have never really, I have never really fulfilled my potential? I've been half-hearted. I haven't been, I haven't been consecrated. I have made mistakes. I have let the Lord down. I want to tell you this secretly, we're all like that. We're all like that. We've all made mistakes. We've all wished we could have done better. We all know we should have done better. And yet the Lord has been pleased to bless us. I want to tell you, God can still use you. And God can still bless you. And I want you to know that God is the God of the second chance. And there's still a work for you to do. A man that had a Christian father. A man that had a Christian mother. Look very briefly at uh Colossians four fourteen. Colossians four fourteen Colossians four fourteen, Luke, the beloved physician and Demas greet you. You see, friends, you read through the whole of the Bible. And you'll never read of Luke's father. And you'll never read of Luke's mother. He was the only Gentile to to write a book of the Bible. And it seems to me that he came from an unsaved home. He came from a home where his father was unknown and where his mother was unknown in Christian circles. And yet from a home like that, God was able to raise up Luke the beloved physician to use him to write a, not only the gospel but obviously that book of the Acts. What a blessing Luke has been to the Christian church right down through the years and yet he maybe possibly came from an unsaved home. Is there somebody here tonight feels disadvantaged? My father is not yet a Christian. My mother never comes to church. I have no background in these things at all. I feel a disadvantage. I want to tell you, even coming from a home like that, it's possible that God can use you and bless you to the benefit and blessing of His people and to the benefit of the district outside as well. We have a girl boy, we have a girl at home. She's called Patricia. Patricia's one of the brightest Christians. And I, I have met a, I have met quite a few Christians. I want to tell you this. Patricia is one of the brightest Christians I have ever met. And let me tell you very briefly our background because her time is almost gone. We were going round the district, we were having a gospel mission. And this girl was digging in the garden of her house. We asked her, would you come to the gospel mission? She said she would. And boy, her background. Her father was in and out of jail. She had been in and out of jail. You know what she told me? You'll think I'm I'm exaggerating. My wife's a witness. I'm not exaggerating. Here's what she told me. She said, every night, Every, every, every weekend, night, every Saturday and Sunday night in our house was like Christmas. Because you said, we used to wait on the landing. My sister and I used to wait on the landing. To wait on my father coming in on the early hours of the morning where he'd be burglaring houses and robbing houses. And we used to see what he'd brought. Sometimes it was Money. Sometimes it was jewelry, sometimes it was watches, sometimes it was other things. And you know, the very first time almost that girl heard the gospel, she committed her life to Christ. And I tell you, she has a brain she has a, a, a bright and shining and testimony in the district where she presently lives. Oh, she's got a conscience. She paid back some money that she stole. One of the first things, I must tell you this, one of the first things she did after she got saved was she went into, I think you call them garage sales, we call them jumble sales. And she bought this lovely fur coat. She bought a lovely fur coat for, for six pounds. And she appeared at the, she appeared at the church with this lovely fur coat. And then she had a conscience. She said, "Maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't be wearing a, you know, a fur. You know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be wearing a fur coat." And you know what she did? She took it to an auction, and she sold it. You know what she got for it? Twelve pounds. <laughs> Twelve pounds. She says, "The Lord blessed me. I made a double my money when I sold my fur coat." And she came from a unsaved home. So be encouraged, regardless of your background. We could have read tonight about. Uh, John, knew you know the lovely thing about John? His father was Zebedee. And his mother was Salome. And he came from a home where both father and mother were saved. They were all different backgrounds. One on a father. One on a mother. One on nobody. And one at both. And yet they were all used of the Lord. You could be used. You could be used. Regardless of your background, I trust the Lord will use you for his glory. Shall we just take a minute to pray? Father, we do give thanks this evening again for the Lord Jesus and for the great wonder of salvation that has changed our lives in time, changed our destinies for eternity thankful Lord for that day that ever he walked up Calvary's rugged brow and allowed himself to be pierced by hands and feet upon that Roman cross and where he suffered there upon Calvary's hill for our sin and shed his precious blood and paid the price that we never could have paid in order that we might enjoy salvation. So we give thanks tonight for him and for the wonderful salvation that he provided at such infinite cost. We're thankful to be among the Christians tonight. We're thankful that we're not in the world. We're thankful that we're not in the clubs and in the licensed premises of the world, that we're not in the Sin Danes. We're thankful we're among the purity of God's people we, thank, we give thanks, Lord, for these great blessings. And we trust that we'll take encouragement tonight from these backgrounds of these four lovely men and that we might all there, learn, that whatever our background, they, they can use us and the Lord can bless us. And we trust that the Lord will use us all for his own glory in days to come. So bless that little, little fellowship here and make them to be useful and make them to be fruitful and increase their numbers, Lord, we do pray, as we give thanks now in Jesus' worthy name. Amen.